Welcome to the Color Timer Podcast. I am your host, Vincent Taylor. This is a podcast where we speak to professionals who work with color. Uh, today, I am going to do my best not to sound like Roy Kent from Ted Lasso because I've lost my voice. Uh, so please forgive me. Uh, today, we are speaking to Mr. Paul Harrison, a veteran colorist uh, based at Resident Pictures in the UK. Uh, he's got over two decades of experience as a colorist so i can't wait to pick his brains uh it's going to be a great conversation let's go take your seats because the hourglass is about to turn we are entering the world of the micro podcast explore the craft creativity and science of professionals who use color to tell stories welcome to the color timer with vincent taylor Paul, welcome, welcome to the Color Timer. Cool, nice. Thanks for having me on. Nah, man, absolutely. It's it's awesome. Now, um, it's a big one. This is the end of season one, so you're like the uh, the the headline guest or the ending <laughs> guest, or um, oh dear. you'll have to excuse my voice. It's it's barely holding on, so it's uh, um, it's all that talking I'm doing. All right. Oh, I've got to start my timer because I always forget. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um, start the game show. Okay. Um. All right. So you're a colorist and you have been a colorist for a very long time, a couple of decades. Yeah. If some. there was a color, if there was a color you could do without, which would it be? Oh my God. Well, I won't say green because everybody okay. says green and I actually quite like green. So I would, I would say yellow. Okay. Yellow gives me the most, it's the most problematic color because some people see it as green like you know they they see a bit of a green in there or some and it just gets into everything and then you don't call you start the system can't quite see what we see when you want to try and dial a little bit of it out yeah. it just starts to affect get other things get affected you know it's that yellow yeah. green thing you know that boundary is not quite defined enough for my liking you know what i, I i'm going to agree with that because the the biggest thing that i'm always chasing is you know uh green grass because yeah. people are going oh it's too it's too yellow oh it's too green oh, it's too yeah you know? yeah yeah it's like walking that tightrope and then obviously everyone's eyes are a little bit kind of different and they see it yeah that's yeah, how i would it's say interesting. it might be a weird looking world but you know it would be interesting to see now i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a, a question that you're probably so bloody sick of but i want to know how did you start how did you get into this crazy world uh yeah, it's weird. I I I kind of by accident through a friend. I was I was basically a, I was working on like a, as a runner, production runner. Yeah. And my friend's girlfriend was like who she'd got me into it. And after I'd been on that doing that for a little while, ended up helping out on sort of video, doing the sort of video techie kind of side of things. Yeah. I mean. Um, and a friend of mine, he like he's the boyfriend of the girlfriend, you know, his girlfriend who got me in, right, rather than using names, um, <laughs> he said, you need to come and look what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm working in the post-production house. And I was like, what the hell is the post-production house? You know, um, so went in there. How, how, how old were you? What, what I age were you? I would have been about 24, 5, round about then, I think, at that yep. point. 
so I went and had a look at what he was doing, and it was all the same equipment I was just lugging around and, um, you know, taking on shoots and rigging up on shoots and, and using that stuff. Oh, this will be a this will be easy. I could just sit down all day and press buttons. I don't have to actually carry this stuff around. Um, so I, and then I started doing a bit more digging into post production and found Telecine. And it just kind of, there was an article in one of like broadcast or one of those magazines and it had a whole write-up about telecine and about um, grading and um, what it was all about. And I just looked at this and thought, my God, this is amazing. You know, this is like, yeah. you know, because I like photography. I was always taking photographs. Um, and this was like, my God, you know, I can do this for a living. So I, I just kind of went and hit up all the London post houses and I just, took my CV round to them and made sure I got in the door and, and got to actually see somebody and not just, you know, send it in. Um, and I ended up at the mill as a, as a runner and made it very clear that Telecine was what I was after um, and mm. what I wanted to learn. I saw the, the Pogol. Did you ever? Yeah. Ever go yeah. That was what I, that's what I started on. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. I, I looked at that and that just looked like, wow, I need to know how this works. Even though there was nothing written on any of the buttons pretty much. Yeah. I, I've got to know how to use this thing. Um, so uh, after being a bit of a pain to, to the guys, they, they said, look, go and get a roll of film. We'll t- teach you how to use it. So you, you won't break it. And, uh, and that was it for literally from like the get go. I was, doing short films and music videos for, you know, no money jobs. Yeah. And, um, and I was kind of earmarked for telecine. So as a, as a result of that, my training within the post-production world, like in, in the mill was machine room, uh, learning all about, you know, basically building on what I already knew. Yeah. But using, you know, D1 machines. And I, I just, just about missed the one inch tape. Didn't need that. But I, it was it was UMATS, Digibeaters, you know, D ones and all that kind of thing. So I had to learn yeah. whole, learn what time code was used for and, and how to, you know how you in Telecine that the importance of getting everything right and making sure that you had the time code was correct and your punch up, you know, all of that. Yeah, stuff that we there, there, there was obviously there was obviously something at you know the fact that you glimpsed what was going on with Telecine and and that whole world of color that just hooked you in because you, you sounded so focused that that's yeah, what you wanted yeah. to do. It, it was, it was the initial interest was that I, I really liked the idea of working on film and working on images and creating yeah. something from that, you know, from, you know, just, just being a part of the film business from that respect. But once I actually got in there and I started using, um, using the equipment and learning what I could do with it and, and the possibilities of it, and how, mm. you know, what I did on that screen was just made me feel something. And so what it's going yeah. to make other people feel, you, do you know what I mean? It was, it, yeah, that I was, do. that yeah. was the thing. I was just like, wow, this is like magic. This is, you know, I don't, I, you know, I sort of tinker around on the guitar a little bit, but this was like something else. This is kind of like a dark art that we, that we, I was learning, you know, these guys they sort of teaching me, but not teaching me. I totally get that. I remember that feeling of just being excited. Yeah, 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 exactly. You'd, you'd go to work, you'd sit down, you didn't know what you were going to do that day, how you were going to do it, but you just did it. So fast fast forwarding, two decades, yeah. right, or, 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 or longer probably yeah. um, that you've been doing this. I've, I've got a nasty question for you. It's so yeah. broad. 
What do you think is the most challenging thing uh, for you as a colorist? Oh my God. Um, I think coming up with interesting grades. Keep me, because um, I think, you know, that after lots of years, you get to, you're comfortable with people. You know, that's not yeah. the thing. And, and you're, you know, you are grading for them, but you're also grading for yourself. And, and, yes. and it's to constantly be pushing yourself and not resting on your laurels and thinking, oh, yeah, I've got this. I can just do this all day long, you know, standing on yes. pets. But, and, it is, and it's keeping that, uh, that drive and that interest going. Um, and obviously, I mean, we, you know, we learn constantly because everything's changing, you know, has been for years, isn't it? All the, the technology's changed and the cameras have changed on the other side, on the production side of things. But I think staying interested and, um, and, and, and just keeping that kind of spark alive in you that you that after spending you know decades sitting in a dark room looking at images that you're you're not fed up with it that you're still interested and you're still pushing yourself to to do something different to you know to try that and then also selling that into your client do you know do you have any inkling as to how you do keep that spark alive or is it just a conscious thing that you're conscious of doing that I almost try what in straight away comes, you know, and you go, right, okay, let's, let's do something, park it. Let's try something else, you know, park that. So you, it's, it's a case of not just getting your first instinct. Um, I think it's seeing how you can turn it all on its head and do something else with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the, that's the thing, but it's also obviously, you know, like trying to, Trying to find something that works for the the show or the commercial or the film, you know, whatever it is you're doing, that's going to work with the images, um, but giving it a little bit of a twist that's in, more interesting than just doing, you know, because most clients will be happy with a kind of a decent, balanced look, won't they? A lot of the time, yeah. You know, yeah. DP yeah, certainly absolutely. a lot of them. That's what they like. They like their their photography on the screen. But it's giving it a little bit of extra something, yeah. That I think is the thing, and it and it's it's not just being happy with. Everyone says, "Oh, that looks great," and it's like, "Well, yeah, but let's try something else, and let's put it yeah. all to pieces again, and then let's and try and push, it, it, push it a little bit more, but but not in a in an outlandish way, but somehow that that takes it up a level compared to everything else that's you're seeing at the moment." this out there it doesn't look like it's just had a lot put on it and yeah you know like next yeah. drop kind of thing do you know what i mean it, it's just it's you know just just i think it's just pushing yourself a little bit more and in terms of asking a little bit more from your clients somewhere. yeah we, we've kind of been touching on this idea of uh uh being you know making sure you don't get stuck and uh, mm. you know and always growing yeah uh now you work on baselight yeah, and uh, there's a new release of Baselight that's that's coming out at some point, and everyone's yep. very excited about that. Yeah, and how do you, you know, there's some new tool sets coming out. Yeah, how do you dip into those? How do you break out of habits of things that you're comfortable with in your software and go, oh, all right, I'm going to try this. I think a little bit at a time. Um, is, I think is probably the short answer to that. Is is you know, constructing a grade in the in the way. So I have used, used software. I'm I'm one of the beta testers for it. 
and and it's got a, like loads of new toys. Um, I mean, they are they do work in perceptual color space, so you have to you have to run the system in a certain way. You know, you can't work in necessarily work in a in a traditional like a log workflow um, because it doesn't really like that. It doesn't work that way. You have to kind of use it in a color managed workflow. Um, but I, I, I think it's a case of using it in a way that just just kind of you know tweak around the edges first to make sure that you don't dig yourself into something that you that is going to cause you problems later on, and, and gradually kind of introduce them into your 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 workflow. If I think you know when you're if I'm working on a on a film, I've got a lot of shots to get through in not a lot of time. So you kind of don't want to be having to like fiddle around with like 200 parameters, you know, just to try and get your look together. So I think it's a case of just you, you kind of, you, you figure out what you need. And I think a lot of it is experimentation when you're not actually working and having to dig around and having to play with these things and seeing what they do. And then just sort of storing that and think when you, if you come up against something that you, like a problem when you're grading or something you particular look you want to try and find you think oh, actually well i can you know go through the old road of decks in your head go oh yeah i can use that tool on that and and um and then start trying it out and see what it does how how do you um short form versus long form with mm. projects yeah how, how do you approach those jobs differently well the, the, yeah that's a good question because they are very the, they are very different in terms of client expectation and also the you know the, the way you approach it as a as a colorist i mean you've got to i think mentally you've almost got to be prepared to be sitting on a shot for half an hour grading a shot yeah. over and over lots of different ways you know like really kind of fiddling with the minutiae of it or you've got you know a thousand shots to get through in a couple of days and you've got to get your look nailed for each scene and then go um yeah. but there's also all the workflow stuff that that goes with that i mean the short form workflow is much simpler than the long form workflow um and your kind of expectation from your client will kind of flex accordingly in regards to clients how would you say client expectations have changed over the years when i think back to when i started grading and I was working on a much um, simpler system. You know, the Pogel system had what it had, and that was it. It mm. didn't have any more. It had its six windows, if you were lucky, um, and its various primary corrections that it had. Yeah. You know, um, depending on obviously which machine you were on, you had maybe an extra set of primaries. Um, I I think that when we had that, we did a lot more. We We pushed the grades a lot more, I think. When I look back to some of the work that we were doing, I don't know whether it's just because we were working on, we certainly had prints to work on back then and we had, a, obviously we were working on film yeah, for the bulk of the time and a lot of the time, 35 mil. Um, there is an inherent quality to film that you have to kind of really twist digitally around to get to it, to get to that point. Um, that's just kind of there in the, in the film. Um, even when you're working on a scan on scan film, weirdly, I find it's it, there's something. To it. um, but hello, dog. 
But I, I think that um, there was more expectation back then to come up with something different when you sat down at your desk and you, your clients come in and they sit down and like, they wanted they wanted to be kind of wowed a bit more, yeah. I think. And I think it kind of gradually got watered down over the years. I think as clients got more, like I'm talking about end clients, not not directors and producers. And I think, gotcha. I think they've yeah. gradually been worn down by the end clients saying, oh no, we don't like that. That's too, that's too much. Why doesn't it look like the, the you know, we used to say the one lights. Yeah. Why doesn't it look like the, the, the edit, which has just got a yeah. flat lot on it kind of thing. When I worked in the States, it was all quite, everything was quite um, bright and colorful a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Bit more con- bit contrastier than, than generally the European grade would have been. So I had to kind of, you know, you kind of do what you think you like, kind of thing. And they're like, oh, can you just turn it all up a bit? And you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> you yeah. turn it all up a bit. But I, I, I definitely think that the, the end clients are the ones who are, are calling the, lush, the shots and they want to be safe more so than they ever did before. I think the agency did have a lot more power. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, as per usual, my 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 color time has run out, and I'm supposed to stick to the rules. But I, I want to throw one last one at you. Yeah. And I I don't normally do this question, but I mm. <clears throat> because of your experience, I I think it would be a valuable one. Um, and again, it's hard. But as a young colorist coming up, mm. is there any advice you might throw at them right now? God. Um, yeah. Oh God! Uh, try and try and get in with with try and get into a place where there is going to be somebody there who can mentor you. Yeah, like you know, an old fart like me or or someone else who actually cares about bringing talent through and 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 recognizing that talent as well. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's very hard to to do this in isolation. You know, coloring is a it's a team sport, should we say? Yeah. Say. And and I think you need to have the the eyes of your peers on your work to to push you, really, and and help you on that journey. Uh, yeah. Because a lot of the time, your you know your clients are happy with what you're doing, great. But the, you you're gonna get more from another colorist saying, "Why did you do it like that? Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this next time?" Why don't you try yeah. that yeah. troll who understands, you know, how you got to where you got, but giving you that little extra nudge to to kind of up your game. Um, yeah. That's, that's I think, getting in somewhere with good colorists where, where you like the reels, you know, look at it and, and just yeah. do your damnedest to get in there by somehow. That's, that's just yeah. like Just like you did. Just like I did, yeah. 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 There's a bit of luck involved. But I think sure. assistance helps. Um, and I know there was, there was a particular, who was an old assistant of mine who used to come in as a freelance assistant, and he's hammered away at it. And he's just been nominated for a, an award in, I think, the MVAs over here. So you can do it. You just got to be persistent at it, I think. Yeah. And don't yeah. get disheartened because it, it's yeah. not easy. It isn't easy. Yeah, it's not, not easy. It's a, it's a, quite a niche job and not everybody can do it a lot of people think they can do it but to do it well you've got to have a very certain special set of skills i think especially yeah. in the operative word because i think we're all a bit special aren't we <laughs> i'm not commenting on that one um 
Paul, thank you so very much. And, and yeah. I'm really delighted that you were the, the last guest for this season. It, it just seems kind of perfect, actually. Um, thank you, mate. Oh, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for putting up with my bad voice. Um, that's it. That's the end of season one. I can't believe it. That's 12 episodes. Uh, yeah, if this is the first one you've listened to, go back and binge. Um, I would like to thank my executive producer, uh, um, MixingLight.com. Now, MixingLight.com, it's a, it's a heck of a resource, like everything color. So please check them out. They can really, really help you out. Uh, whether you're on Resolve, whether you're on Baselight, whether you're on New Coda, it doesn't matter. They're, they're there to kind of assist you. And it's such, such a great kind of library of, uh, of things to dip into. Um, I would like to thank uh, my friend of the show, Film Light. Thank you so much for supporting me through this. It's been awesome. Uh, and my producer, Caleb. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much for listening and watching and and, uh, and all the comments, likes, subscribes, all of that. Uh, there is a chance we are going to do a season two. Um, so stay tuned. All the best. See ya. The Color Timer. A micro-podcast experience. Mm-hmm.